Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! We've been looking at Jesus, and we've been looking at everything that He's been saying, we've been looking at everything that He's been teaching, including some of the uh, uh, not-so-nice-to-hear uh, parts, you know. Uh, Jesus is perfect, uh, but, you know, just because He's perfect doesn't mean that everything that He says uh, is easy to swallow, amen? Uh, and so we are actually doing this series called Tough Love. Jesus, He is good, He is God, He is full of love. But how many know that if you really love someone, sometimes you need to give them a little bit of tough love. And so did Jesus. And so we want to be mature Christians that don't just cherry pick the parts of the Bible that we like, but to embrace both, learn from both, and learn to see the love even in some of the tougher teachings and sayings of Jesus. Amen? Uh, So we call these kind of like mini-series, Tough Love. Uh, today, you would be rejoicing to know it will be the last part. Uh, and, uh, you know, and after that, maybe hopefully we'll, we'll look into uh, other parts, just in case some of you feel that it's been getting a little bit too ouch. Uh, but don't worry, uh, and uh, there'll be other people that'll be preaching. Uh, and so, we are also in this season where we want to empower uh, new people and people who maybe haven't preached before or haven't preached that often to step up and to, to be used by God. And so uh, I don't want to give that person added pressure, uh, but there will be, you know, a special speaker this coming Sunday. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of our in-house leaders that would uh, rise up to, to preach God's word. I believe that in God's already deposited a message into that person. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be blessed. Amen. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're also running two services. So if you feel like you miss me, uh, you can come for a second service and I'll still be there. <laughs> Um, and I will we'll talk about fun things that will not be part of the Tough Love series. Amen. Uh, I'm just kind of like, you know, padding up time because uh, I'm also kind of like preparing myself and you because this could potentially be the most ouch one, but I'm just going to say it with lots of love because God is love. But before that, why don't we pray? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is living. It cuts like a double-edged sword, Lord, uh, both to cut away the cancer of sin in our lives, but also to, to, to just, Lord, uh, heal, Lord, uh, us from just the trauma on, of the mistakes of our past. So, God, we just want to say, even as we open up your word, would you prepare our hearts? We know that there's nothing wrong with your word, but our hearts need preparing. Our hearts need softening. And so, God, right now, we invite every word, every letter, every verse that we're about to read to jump out of the pages of the Bibles, of the screens that we're going to be reading from and straight into our hearts, Lord. Lord, let your word come alive. Lord, today we're not here for more information. We desire transformation. Would you change us from the inside out so that we become more like you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 to 32. Uh, But even though we're just reading two verses for now, I want you to kind of like put a little bookmark there at Matthew 12, uh, because we will be coming back to it uh, later in this part of uh, the message. Uh, And so Matthew 12, 31 to 32, uh, if you're taking down notes, you'd like to put a title to today's message, feel free to put unforgivable unforgivable. And I hope that you will forgive me. Um, unforgivable. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a nice slide. Oh, well done, Ruba. Uh, wasn't expecting that. Um, unforgivable. Matthew 12, 31 to 32. If you're there, can I hear a good amen? 
Amen. Praise God. Amen. Uh, it's always good to turn to God's Word. Uh, Matthew 12, 31 to 32, we also have it flashed out on the screen. Let's read. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven of men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven of him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven of him either in this age or in the age to come. Ooh, ouch. Some of you might be thinking, are you sure Jesus said that? I thought Jesus was all about love and everything is forgiven. You know, so let me ask you these two questions and I'll give you an answer as well. You know, uh, in here, we have Jesus' promise to forgive everything. So does God forgive all sin? The answer is yes. But are there also things in our lives that can move us beyond the realm that God can forgive? The answer is also yes. Now, before you get messed up by that, don't worry. We will tackle it. We will unpack it with much love. Uh, but every time we look at some of the tougher to understand teachings of Jesus, you know, we like to ask ourselves three questions. And these three questions will form our three take-home points for today. And uh, the three questions we ask ourselves every week is that, you know, this thing that I just read, what does this tell us about Jesus? Uh, because, you know, once we know God, once we know the author who said the thing, who taught the thing, uh, then that gives us better perspective. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, we all know this, right? Some of our friends have a quirky sense of humor. And so if you don't know that person, uh, he might come or she might, she might come across as lame. Like, oh man, please man, get a sense of humor. But if you know them, oh, you will start to love them for all their, you know, uh, uh, kind of like, you know, quirkiness and all, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, once you know know uh, uh, the, the author or the person who originated the, the, the teaching, you, you begin to give you perspective, you know? Like, for example, I still remember the first time I met uh, Gareth, you know, one of our leaders. I met, first time I met Gareth's dad. Uh, I went to the airport to invite him uh, and, uh, and then Gareth's dad, you know, looks like him, or more like Gareth looks like the dad. Uh, and uh, I still remember his first introduction is like, hi, I'm Gareth's dad. Uh, you will understand uh, his sense of humor when you understand me and I immediately go like I understand I understand and that's why it's important to start with Jesus we want to know what does this tell us about Jesus so that we don't misunderstand some of the tougher teachings amen and the second question we we'll ask ourselves is this what does this tell us about who we are you know because this doesn't this doesn't offend God uh, this might offend us uh, and our understanding of of who Jesus is and so obviously there's something about us that needs to change some Something that about us that needs to be cross corrected, and so if we begin to understand uh, what does this uh, statement, uh, how does this dissect the human nature, then we become better humans as a result. And of course, point number three, we always want to be doers of God's word, and that's why we ask ourselves as well, how do we apply this to our lives today? So let's go on. From here, we just read something that sounds ouch. Wow, maybe for some of us, this is a shock. You're thinking, I I've always thought that. You know, under Jesus and, and his, what he did for us on the cross, I thought 
you know, the Bible says He took all of our sin and everything we've done is forgiven? The answer is yes. But why are you saying that Jesus is apparently saying that there are also things that will never be forgiven in this age or in the age to come? In fact, certain translations of the Bible, if you turn to Mark, we will not go there, uh, the, the, the author of Mark puts in, it will be the eternal sin. Ooh, eternal sin. And, and, and so, which is which? Well, don't worry, we will get into which is which, but let's get into the who first. So what does this tell us about Jesus? This tells us, the answer is this, that Jesus is not just about mercy, but judgment too. Right here, he is presenting both mercy and judgment. If you say anything against me, anything, it will be forgiven. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm cool with it. But if you say anything against the Holy Spirit, that's not forgivable, right? Now, before we go into what that means, let's focus on Jesus. In other words, Jesus is trying to tell us that, hey, he is both the lion and the lamb. He is both the lamb, the merciful lamb, the perfect lamb that, that, took, that, that was sacrificed on our behalf, as the Bible says, that took away all of our sins, but he is also the lion, the lion of Judah and lions. How many know that you know you, you don't you don't go around just petting lions? You know you don't just go around you know poking lions. So, you know if you're wondering you know what did I learn in church today? Don't walk around poking lions. Okay, you know and 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 lions we we need to. There needs to be a certain respect. There needs to be a certain awe. There needs to be a certain, you know, uh, a fear, the right type of fear. And that's why the Bible also talks about having the fear of God. And then let me just explain why this doesn't make Jesus more flawed. In fact, it tells us that our God is more perfect than ever. Because as much as we like the idea of a forgiving God, a merciful God, and maybe you might even have had friends that ask you, well, you know, if the Christian God is so loving, why does he just forgive and forgive and forgive? You know, why does he need for us to ask each king just wipe the slate clean? Well, friends, if we only have a God that ever only just forgives, then do you know what that also tells us about that God? It also tells us that that God doesn't care. Because the truth is this, there are a lot of things wrong in the world. And so if a person that murdered, God just, oh, forgive. And a person that stole, oh yeah, God just forgive. It goes to show that God doesn't care. That there's a nuance in, in the pain and the suffering of the victims. It means that God doesn't care about the victim. God doesn't care about the damage. And the truth is, God cares. And while his heart greatly wants to forgive us and wants us to change, uh, but at the same time, he can't just let us off the hook like that. Now, we might not like the fact that, oh, judgment, oh, so negative, oh, you know. But, you know, judgment, when you view it with love, is actually very powerful because uh, a God that judges is also a God that sees. If you see, if, if we live in a world that when you see bad things happen and the baddies and the evildoers just get away with it, do you know what you will say? You will say that if there, first of all, you might say there is no God, or you will say if there is a God, that God is blind. But the truth is, God judges, which means that God sees. And let that be a word of encouragement. God sees your pain. God sees your trauma. God sees and knows that maybe at one time you've been a victim before. You've been taken advantage before. And there will be nothing that will not go unpunished uh, in the eyes of God. And so, 
when we add it together, when we have a God that both extends mercy and judgment, it means that we have a God that sees, but mercy tells us that he also has a heart to forgive. And so our God, when he sees us, he sees us for who we are. I always like to use this phrase, you know, we don't ever have to worry that God will ever grow disillusioned about you because he has no illusions about you. I'm going to say that one more time. You can write it down. It will hit you on Monday. You don't ever have to worry that God will ever grow disillusioned about who you are, the type of Christian, the type of person you are, because He has no illusions about who you are. He knows that we are all sinners saved by His grace. He knows that we've done, we, we, we're imperfect. He knows that we are brokenness. But He also has a heart to restore, a heart to forgive. He also has a nuance to understand that some of that brokenness is not just about you, but it could be uh, you are a product of generations of breakdown. You know, a lot of times, you know, we, 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 we like the idea that, oh, God just wipes it all away. But do you know that, you know, to really wipe it all away, He's going to wipe all of us away. And because the world is messed up in a way that it's not just so easy to just pick apart, that's why He had to send His Son, Jesus. Amen? And that's the thing we've got to really begin to love about God, that He is. Is, is Jesus merciful? Yes, He is. But he's not just about mercy. To, 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 to describe and to believe and to create this false image of Jesus in our heart that he is ever merciful, that it is his job to forgive you, is essentially to take the teeth away from a lion. And please don't take a teeth away from a lion because the lion will still have his claws and you will be the only one that will suffer. You know what I'm saying? And so what we need to do is, is to have this balanced view of God. Do you know that love and fear can coexist? You know, I'm never ashamed to say this. I love my wife, but I fear her. It might sound not the most alpha male thing to say, but I tell you, friends, it's the most... Those of you who are married, those of you who are, will one day get married, you know, hopefully those that are married in church will, will, will echo with me on this. But, you know, the fear is not like, you know, I'm afraid that she'll abuse me. No, I, I, I'm afraid that uh, I will disappoint her. And I don't ever want to disappoint her. And so my relationship with her is motivated both by romantic love but also motivated by a fear that I, I, because I love her, I fear that I will lose her, so I, I will never take her for granted. You see, when, when we just, you know, uh, the, most of the time when we deal with our parents, because those are the people that we take for granted the most, uh, you know, we, we, we tend to do that, right? Because they've been so good. They've always ever only been good. Wherever we need money, there's money. You know, be you know before your wake up breakfast is done. You know, uh, some of you, you know, recently I, I met a, a, a parent, so sweet. The person was saying that, oh, I'm here because I'm bringing my, my daughter to university. You know, I still remember the day where I brought her to kindergarten. I remember the day I brought her to primary school. And today, I'm bringing her to university. I'm like, oh. But sometimes when we only see that side, we can misunderstand. Go like, come on, dad. Just like, pfft. You know, you're making me look bad. Just stand at the door. Don't walk me in, you know. I want to be cool, you know. And, and then when we do that, when you lose that fear, uh, you take that person for granted. Amen. And could it be that some of us were taking God for granted because we've lost a godly fear for Him? Do not forget that, he, that, that, that forgiveness was not just a free gift that Jesus, Jesus had to pay so that we can have forgiveness. 
it, it's in fact, you know, sometimes you have to be careful not to just say, oh, no, salvation is a free gift from God. No, salvation is a paid gift from God. You know, it's free to us, to free to receive because it's been paid in full by Jesus. Amen? And so that's where we need to start first. Wow, you know, Jesus, you know, everything said against you will be forgiven, but something said against you will not be forgiven, against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What, what kind of God you are you? He is a God of both mercy and judgment. He is a God that both deserves our love and our fear. He is the one true God. And let's not be so naive to think that, well, you know, uh, you know, he, he can't be God because this, this affects, this insults me. You know, if, if there is a God and He doesn't offend your sensibilities, then He's not God, you are. I'm going to say it one more time. If, if you're worshipping God and God's ways are not higher than your ways, if he, have, he doesn't have things that can't touch, and only you have things that God can't touch, guess what? You are God, not Him. And so this is a good heart check for us. Amen? If, you're, if you believe it, say amen. If you're offended, say ouch. And you can say both. It's okay, you know? <laughs> Point number two, what does this tell us about who we are? So let's go in a little bit deeper. I want to start with Jesus because I, I can imagine some of your faces are thinking, get to the point. What act exactly is it? So I can know whether I, I, I fall, am, am, I, am I still in God's good book or should I just, you know, be an anarchist and paint the town red because there's no more hope for me? Because some of us, we are focusing on like, what is that act? What, is, what does blasphemy mean? You know, please, pastor, explain so that I can sleep tonight knowing that whether I've done it or not done it before. And the point we need to get to is point number two. We think it's about a sinful act. It's not. God is warning us against a sinful attitude. If you're worried that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is just an act, you know, that, oh no, I've done the, the unspeakable deed. It's not. You know, in 2006, there was a, a bunch of uh, atheists that misunderstood this. So they self-declared, they said that we will, you know, I, I think it was like, I'm not sure, but in 2006 would be like the same year, there was an ice bucket challenge or maybe it came later. Uh, but they decided to have this thing called the blasphemy challenge. And so a bunch of atheists will post videos of themselves on YouTube to say that I, I, you know, I blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. And it was almost like their way of saying that, hey, I don't believe in God and, and even more the Christian God. So I'm so committed to my atheism that I'm crossing the threshold, the supposedly threshold in the Bible that says the point of no return. And they are like reveling in their rebellion against God. I want you to know that, that, that even if all of them turn to God, they will still be forgiven. Because it's not just about an act, it's an attitude. Let, let, me, let me get into it a little bit more. In fact, you know, to proper understand this, uh, let's turn back to Matthew chapter 12. And we're going to read from verse 22 until 32. Earlier on when we read from uh, verse 31, it started with therefore. And it sounds cheesy, but it's very true. Every time you see in the Bible, therefore, you've got to ask yourself, what is it therefore? And uh, it is most likely there's some context before that. So every time you get stuck with a therefore, go back, okay? Go back, read context is so important. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 to 32. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn there. We have it flashed out on the screen. And this is Jesus uh, uh, explaining, and this is us kind of like discovering the, the background. What made Jesus kind of like become so stern uh, in these two instructions? Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him 
so that the blind man and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? We're going to pause here for a bit. A lot to unpack there for our friends who maybe you're not familiar with the Bible. You know, so here in ancient times and in modern times, people are sick. And, uh, you know, just like modern and, and, and ancient times, you know, the Bible tells us that there is a God, there is good, but there's also evil in this world. There is both God, our Savior, but there's also the devil. They're not in the same rank. God has no rival at all in that area. But there are demonic forces at work. And so in Jesus' time, when he was walking the earth, he did more than just teach us to love your neighbor, love your enemies. You know, he also healed people. He also cast out demons. And so this was one of those occasions where a person who was, this is like triple threat, he was demon-possessed, blind, and mute. And they brought him and, and, and the Bible just says, and he healed him. I want this to be encouragement. No problem is too big for God. The Bible is very specific. And it's also very specific in how little or how uh, uh, much it talks about something. Do you see how did he said that? And Jesus commanded him to be tied down with rods of iron and he cast out demons. No. No, I know we're in October, the Halloween month, and, and, and what, I've got one complaint. I'm not the, the biggest fan of horror movies. Uh, I, I do know enough to have a conversation with people who like horror movies, uh, but I have one complaint about Hollywood's portrayal of uh, exorcism and, and demon-possessed people. Um, they're doing it wrong. Uh, every time, every time, you know, because the Bible says this, that in the name of Jesus, all of these things shall be cast out. And you see how easily Jesus did it? Jesus, he healed him. You know, Jesus probably just looked at him, no, nothing, just he healed him. All three, just like that. But then Hollywood, you know, whether it's like Conjuring or Annabelle, or, you know, if there's an Annabelle here in church, we love you. Uh, you, know, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, Sinister, Insidious, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, Paranormal Activity, blah, blah, blah. Exorcist, you know, uh, 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 um, uh, you know, whatever. Okay, they always have this like priest and say, like, oh, tie the person down. And I'm, I'm always like, okay, fine, whatever, you know, restrain the person. But they always get it wrong. They always go like, the power of Christ compels you, you know, by the holy scriptures, we command thee, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the holy water of, it's like, oh, I'm like, guys, please do your research. And I think part of me also knows that, you know, the reason why they, they don't want to do it the accurate way is because the story would end. The story would end. They would be like, you know, maybe the moment they say in Jesus' name, everybody in cast and crew would just fall down and start repenting. But, but, but all I know is this, that our God, no problem is too big for our God. No problem is too big for our God. Amen? In one word. And maybe some of us here, you know, we struggle with real things like addiction. We struggle with real things like, I don't know, your, your life. And I'm not here to make light of the situation, uh, but some, some of us, we, 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 we do have our own struggles with, with that which is both addictive, but that which is also demonic. And I want you to hear the good news. Jesus loves you and is able to set you free in the name of Jesus like that. Yeah. Amen. And so this is what... God did. This is what Jesus did. And there was great celebration. But now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doesn't cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Wow. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself and how will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. 
But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Amen? And then only he came to say, no, therefore I say to you, every sin, blasphemy, etc. So let me just go back, rewind there. So the Pharisees are basically this ancient group of uh, 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 religious folks. And they are big rule keepers. Uh, and they are notorious for not only being ultra-religious, but ultra-self-righteous. And Jesus was no fan of them. Jesus loved them, but hated their attitude. And not only that, they, after a while, like some religious people in our lives, or, or hopefully maybe if we are like that, may God cause us to repent. Not only do, do we you know, rejoice in the fact that, oh, we found God, but we kind of like self-appoint ourselves to become gatekeepers of the faith. And we begin to say that, you know, those people, God will never forgive those people. You know, that, that's not a work of God. No, only we are the chosen ones. And that is wrong. And Jesus is saying that, look, I just did a miracle in front of you. And, and you're saying that it's by some Beelzebub, it's by the, some this, it's like, what on earth? I'm paraphrasing Jesus. And then Jesus proceeds to dismantle their logic and go like, are you listening to yourself? You're saying that I'm using demonic powers to cast out demonic powers. So are you implying that the, 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 the enemy's camp is fractured? So if they are fractured, if they are fighting among themselves, because that's the only way uh, I can use demonic powers to conquer demonic powers, is if there's fracture, if there's disunity. So if they are disunited, how can they be about causing so much chaos? So by your own logic, it's flawed. And it goes on to say that, don't you understand? Basic logic is this. If I want to ransack a house, I'm going to go in and tie up the owner. And so if, if, if the devil is, is possessing this, this person, causing him to be suffering, then I need to tackle the devil. So, you know, obviously I'm bigger than him. So come on, guys, you're insane. Well, Jesus didn't say that. I said that. You're, you're, you're rubbish. Okay, I, Jesus didn't say that. I said that. But you understand the tone. Jesus is like, come on, guys. And that's why he said, and, and, and despite Jesus, I can only assume, me, me reading it, I feel irritated. I can only imagine Jesus, who was just out there doing it out of love. And then he said that, hey, as much as I don't understand your logic, or as Christians sometimes, or not Christians, Asians sometimes like to say, I cannot brain you. Have you said that before? Or is it just me? You know, I cannot brain you. I can't even fathom how you think. And then Jesus said, I haven't brained you, but hey, whatever you say about me, I forgive you. Whatever you accuse me of, I forgive you. But, but if you keep this on, if you keep this attitude going on, you will move yourself beyond God's forgiveness. And, and let me explain this, all right? We're going to go into it step by step. So let me first of all talk to Christians first. You know, our friends here who you're still searching, you're discovering Jesus, we love you. I'll talk to you more in a bit. But right now, I'll talk to my brothers and sisters. This scripture applies more, not only, but applies more to people who know God than those that do not. Because I, I don't want you to be misinformed. A lot of you might have read this scripture and you heard people say, oh, don't worry, don't worry. If you're a Christian, you can never bless him against the Holy Spirit. I would say that, hmm, says who? Do you know who the Holy Spirit is revealed to? To Christians or non-Christians? To Christians. Who does the Holy Spirit dwell in? Christians or non-Christians? Christians. 
who were the Pharisees? People who know God, who people didn't know God, who knew God, who kept God's law. And yet, they were so self-righteous and so stubborn. And so this is a warning to say that, hey, those of us who know Jesus, those of us who God has been working in our lives, don't, uh, don't you ever get so proud that you start judging other people. And, and, and you begin to have, you know, you might be thinking, but I'm not acting sinfully. Yeah, but you've got a stinky, sinful attitude. There's a sinful arrogance about you. There's a stubbornness about you because the Pharisees were so stubborn that miracles were happening right in front of them, yet they still chose to be skeptics. And so this is a reminder, friends, you know, for those of us who, who know Jesus and for, for us who, who love Jesus, we need to understand this, that God loves us. Amen? He, he, he is for us, not against us. And so when I say that we, we will be moving beyond uh, God's forgiveness, I'm not saying that, you know, if we keep up this attitude, God will just cut us out from the book of life. I'm just saying that if we keep this attitude up, we will, we will lose self-awareness and not realize that we need to repent. And so it's not so much that God will not forgive, it's more like those people who keep this up will not even realize that they need God's forgiveness. And, and will just, you know, soldier their way so confidently, so arrogantly. And that's why, you know, other parts of Scripture, Jesus also said, you know, not all who call me Lord, Lord, will enter into my kingdom. We'll tackle that some other day. But friends, my, my, my precious brothers and sisters, this is a warning against our arrogance. This is a warning that the, the, what Jesus is saying that, hey, you know, to enter into my kingdom, it's, you're saved not by your own works. And sometimes as Christians, if we're not careful, uh, you know, because of, you know, how God has changed and, and, and we have, uh, you know, maybe a, a better worldview, a better value system, no doubt about that. But let's never be so arrogant that we begin to brush other people aside. That we begin to prejudge people. And so friends, if you're here and, and, and if you've ever been told by anyone before that, that because of whatever you have done, that you are not worthy of God's grace and not worthy of God's forgiveness, friends, I want you to know that's not true. So do you see the, the, the dichotomy here? God is saying that if you keep this up, right, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna basically walk yourself out of God's grace. But at the same time, you know, am I for forgiving you? Yes. And so let this be an encouragement before I move on to the next point. If you are worried that you are having an arrogant attitude towards God. If you are worried that you might have, you know, ventured out of the realm of God's forgiveness, then good news, you have nothing to worry. God is so good that He uses even our own anxieties for our benefit. Because if you're worried, that means that you're not too far gone. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, 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 a dead person can't say, I think I'm dead. A dead person's dead. So if you're there going like, am I alive? Am I dead? Good news. You're still alive. And there's still hope for you. And God is in His grace, in His goodness, using your anxious thoughts to bring you back to safe harbor. Amen? All the anxious people in church say, Amen. Praise God. Amen? But 
is this, is this just a rebuke against the religious folks? Well, it's definitely a rebuke against religious folks. But is there nothing else to gain for it? No, a lot. And that brings me to the next point. So how do we apply this to our lives today? Our take-home point is this, that we must not ignore the works of the Holy Spirit. What, is, what did the Bible say? Why are you speaking against? Why are you wrestling against the Holy Spirit? Friends, I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit is constantly at work in our lives. The Holy Spirit is, is, the, is the only good part in our lives. How many know that all of us here, you don't have to be schizophrenia to know that there's a split in your personality. There's a part of you that desires good. And then there's a part of you that is really, if you're honest, really selfish and really lazy. All right? I used this analogy before, but I'm going to use it again. You know, you probably experienced this inner wrestling even this morning. Um, uh, how many of you here uh, uh, need the help of alarm to wake up? Right? It's all, we're all sinners saved by grace, right? How many of you love the snooze button? Come on, raise your hand and shame the devil. Okay, cool. Uh, how many of you here, <laughs> you, you actually enjoy pressing the snooze button? You actually enjoy it, right? It's part of your waking up process, right? How many of you love pressing the snooze button that you actually uh, uh, set the alarm clock earlier so that the, it goes, you know, it rains out. I see a lot of hands, praise God, you know, if only the camera can capture this. No, no. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and you, so you know that, okay, I said it an hour earlier so I can snooze, 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 snooze at least five times and then I'll wake up because I'm a five snooze person, right? Can we also be honest right now since we're in the atmosphere of honesty, praise the Lord, um, that every time you press that snooze, there's also a part of you that says that, just come on, wake up. You know, come on, wake up. It's actually better for you. You'll be fresher, right? And then you have this, this, this gentle, soft, gentle voice. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the voice of God. Because God is loving, He doesn't raise His voice. Some of you go like, I can't hear God. You know, and you think that, you, you, you know, hearing God means a loud, booming voice like, this is my son, 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 son. Believe in Him, Him, Him. No, Holy Spirit is soft and gentle because He doesn't want to raise His voice. He's not an angry God. Right? Write that down. God's not angry. Right? But let's come back to snooze again. So there's this voice that tells you, come on, wake up. You have more time. You can have a better shower. You have more time to wake up. You can even grab coffee on the way. You won't rush. You'll be early. Isn't being early amazing? And then there's a part of you that goes like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then there's a louder part of you that goes like, no, snooze now. <laughs> Sleep now. I don't care. Five more minutes. And then another part says that, if you wake up, you feel fresher. You'll be a great new habit. You have a better start of the day. No! It's the same voice that also, sometimes you got an important thing the next day. And there's a voice that says that, hey, maybe um, binge watching Squid Game is not the best thing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe just, you know, um, unwind. Let, you know, just go to bed. You know, maybe just spend some time with God. But then there's another voice that says, no, Squid Game, now, must finish, binge watch. And then even when you finish, you don't understand, you go on YouTube to look at ending explain. <laughs> so you go like, what did that mean? What did that mean? And then you wake up the next day in need of 50 snooze buttons. Do you know? So, so all of us, we have this flesh. I mean, that's the most harmless example. But do you know that the Holy Spirit is constantly at work asking us, hey, if you ever wonder, how, how do I know the Holy Spirit? You know, 
It always starts with the most basic thing that leads us into obedience, that leads us closer to God. No, on last week at Holmes, we, 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 we learned about Moses splitting the Red Sea. But do you know that the big act of splitting the Red Sea and hearing God to ask him to split the Red Sea started with him surrendering what was in his hands to God. And so the Holy Spirit will always ask you, hey, start with what you have. You know, you know would you... And sometimes the Holy Spirit can... You know, it's, and it's not because God is good. So it's not always just spiritual things. It is spiritual things, but it's not just. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can just ask you, call home. Don't call home to ask for more money. Don't call home to whatever. Just call home. And talk to your parents. Or maybe some of us, we have a, you know, tension in our family and siblings don't get together. And every time you see your older sibling, younger sibling, your blood just boils. And, and then you hear the Holy Spirit and a voice. You might not even know it's the Holy Spirit yet. But a voice that tells you, hey, be kind. You were once young too. Be gracious. Haven't I been gracious to you? And, and when you realize it, friends, this is where I'm going to talk to all of our friends here, is that God is constantly at work, both in the lives of people who know Him and in the lives of people who don't know Him. And all of you are here this morning because the Holy Spirit was working in your life. Some of you here, you don't have to raise your hand. Some of you here were tempted not to come this morning. But then there was a voice that says, come. That's the Holy Spirit. Some of you were invited by your friends. And, and you might be thinking, oh, I'll check it out. I'm kind of interested in faith and religion. But friends, can I tell you, it's not just your own curiosity. There was something that was drawing you. There's a, there's a cry within you for truth, for understanding, for peace. And when I say don't ignore the works of the Holy Spirit, what I'm saying is this, don't ignore the works of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that whoever comes to God must believe that He is. What does that mean? It means that come to God with an open mind. Come to God with an open heart. Do you know it's very hard for us to even be friends if the moment you meet me, you start being skeptical about everything? And I go like, hi, I'm David. And then you go like, is that really your name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's my name. Says who? <laughs> Says me, my, my friends, my parents. How do you know that they are friends? How do you know that they're trustworthy? And yet we do that to God all the time. Come to Jesus. Why Jesus? Oh, because the Bible says, why the Bible? Oh, because it's the, the who, 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 who says that the Bible can be trusted? It's not to say that you can't come with questions. But if you come with a questioning attitude, it's just a bad place to learn. Don't believe me? You don't go to class like that, right? Some of you study law, first year maybe, introduction to English legal systems. And you go in there and go like, all right, there's separation of power. Says who? <laughs> Says the parliament. Who died and made them king? What? Security, get that person out. <laughs> but we go in, in good faith, to learn to trust. And so my, my encouragement to some of our friends here today is that don't think that you're just here because your friend invited you. If you're really honest with yourself, God's been knocking at the door of your heart for a while now. And when you walked in here, and I'm 
spoken to people who are not, not Christians yet, and they said, I've just been having such a terrible week, but the moment I come in here, there's a peace. Friends, I want you to know that that's not the air conditioning because we don't have fun. <laughs> that's God's presence. God's presence. Presence means how He announces Himself. You know, like how someone who puts in a lot of perfume, every room that they walk in, you just smell it, right? You've been there before, you're on the tube, and then, you know, somebody walks past you, you go like, whoa! Do you know God doesn't have perfume, but He has peace? He has so much of it that in His, even though He's seated in heaven, just staring into this room, His peace enters here. And what you're feeling is the residue peace from the presence of God. Because He's also known as the Prince of Peace. And so what I'm saying is this, that friends, when you come in to church and you feel God's peace, don't just say it, oh, it's the music. It's not. It's God tugging at your heart. You know, when you feel God nudge you to be obedient, it's, you don't have a Jiminy Cricket telling you it's not, your, it's not your upbringing, it's God. He's nudging you. So don't ignore, because the danger is this, if you ignore, and you build up a resistance. How many of you here, you've lived in London long enough um, that when you first moved here, you felt the city was noisy. Sirens every other minute. Now, it's like music to your ears. Except our new friends who are like new to the city and go like, everything's loud, the tube is loud. Well, for us on the tube, we're like, ee! and then we can still be talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somehow our ears have adapted to the bleating and both for, I don't know, that... that it's like we just, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the northern line. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. We build up a resistance. When sirens go past, woo! We go like, eh. and, and, and in the city of London, you know, you, you know, in recent times, you haven't seen it, but, but in the past, I've seen it before where, where after a while, the resistance is not just against the noise, but it's also against just basic human decency. And I've seen where, where, you know, it's announced on the tube, oh, we've been uh, held here because there's an incident in front. Incident. That's code word for somebody's hurt. And many times I've seen the rest of the tube just go like, oh. Like, somebody could have died, somebody could be sick, that could be somebody's mom, dad, but doesn't matter because that person right now is a nuisance to my schedule. How do we get there? When we resist. When we resist the Holy Spirit. When we resist the goodness of God calling us in. And so my kind of like warning as I bring things to a close is this, that don't ignore the works of the Holy Spirit. Both believers, do you know that God desires for you, God has so much more in store for you. For students, God doesn't just want you to graduate. Don't get me wrong. He wants you to graduate, have the best life, best degree, everything. But there's so much more, friends. He wants you to have a spiritual awakening. He wants you to be part of His healing process, to bring healing to your friends, to your dorm, to, to the people that He will bring into your life. Young adults, life is so much more than money. Does God want to bless you? Of course. But so much more, do you know that God placed you at where you are for a reason? For you to be a beacon of light and hope in this dark world? 
and just before you think that, but what does it matter? It's so dark. I'm just a little Christian. How can I make a difference? Have you tried lighting up a match in the, the darkest room ever? It lights up the whole room. And the devil wants you to think that your little life is insignificant. Just ignore and give in to the flesh. Ignore the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit says, light that light. And the more you say yes to the Holy Spirit, the more God can entrust you with. You know, if you don't, it applies, right? It's called trustworthiness. That's why for some of us who work, the reward for a good job done is more work. Because your boss just goes like, that's my go-to guy, I can give him work. Now that's just work. But for God, it's like our work is never just work, it's lives. And he's making a difference and making history. Amen. All of us want to make history. But you can't make history until you make a difference in one person's life. You can't make a difference in one person's life until you start to live differently in your own life. And for our friends who don't know Jesus, friends, everything you experience today and even before today is God knocking at the door of your heart saying that I am good, trust me, let me in. I am the only one that can fix your brokenness. I'm the only one that can heal you and I'm the only one that can forgive you of every trauma because anything done against the Son of Man can be forgiven, will be forgiven. That is the promise of God. But if we ignore, 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 we harden our hearts to the point of no return. Does God want to send us there? No, but we send ourselves there when we harden our hearts and go like, no, 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 and build up a resistance. I have a friend, and I'll end with this last kind of like story, and then we'll pray. Um, I have a friend who loves shell shellfish, but she can't eat it because she's allergic, but she's like, I don't care, she told me. <laughs> so she's been training her body to just eat it and eat it and eat it and eat it. And so from being told that you will die if you eat shellfish, because you, you know, cause your throat to tighten and you can't breathe. Uh, now she eats shellfish, she just gets a rash because she's building up a resistance. Just as much as you can build up a resistance against the Holy Spirit, you can also build up a resistance against the flesh. How do you build up a resistance against the flesh when you, the Bible says, begin to walk in the Spirit? Yeah. Walking in the Spirit is an attitude. It means having a heart that's always soft before God and say, God, whatever you want, I'm going to do it. Amen. Is God challenging you to serve? Serve. Is God challenging you to, to, to get baptized? Get baptized. Is God challenging you to, to be generous and be kind? Be, is God challenging you to forgive? Forgive. And for some of us, it can be as simple as is God challenging you to keep coming to church? Just keep coming to church. God doesn't give you a five-year plan, but He gives you a five-yard plan. When you walk that five-yard, He'll give you the next five-yard and then the next five years. You know why? Because God's not just about throwing a plan into your life. He's a God that's committed to walk with you. Last quote, and I promise, and I'll close. So how do we not ignore the work of the Holy Spirit? There's a quote by Martin Luther, one of the leaders of the Reformation movement, and he has this quote that he lives by, and I am inspired by, and I hope that we will all live by he says this, I live as though Jesus was crucified yesterday, risen this morning, returning tomorrow. That's how we fight against our flesh's desire to ignore the Holy Spirit.
I'm going to say it one more time. Live as though Jesus was crucified yesterday, risen this morning, and returning tomorrow. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for your words, even as we just draw close to this short series that we've been looking at. And God, I pray that through this, may we have a deeper hunger for your word. But Lord, right now, I just want to pray for people. If there are people here in our midst that have, for whatever reason, feel like they cannot be forgiven by you, feel like they've disappointed you countless times, feel like the scum of the earth even, Lord, I pray that right now your love will melt that lie away. Because your word says anything, anything, speaking against blasphemy, the worst things against God and man will be forgiven. But Lord, if there's any of us here, Lord, and we've been ignoring you, we've been living, we've been willfully disobedient, and we know what your word tells us to do, yet we keep saying that, nah, I'm not going to do it. Ah, it doesn't apply to me. Lord, please wake us up and help us to realize that that self-justification is actually ignoring the saving work of the Holy Spirit that's actually trying to tell us, not nag us, but tell us to turn our lives around lest we crash into permanent disaster. So God, for my brothers and sisters here that are struggling to live for you, God, I pray that you will experience your grace today. But for us who know what we ought to do and feel like we have the right to make up our rules when to apply what and when to listen to you. God, we are just being so rude and so disobedient to the Holy Spirit. May we change. May you put a worry and anxiety and the fear of God in us to wake us up so that we do not take you for granted. We do not say to ourselves there's plenty of time to repent. But Lord, we will live as though you were crucified yesterday that you rose again this morning and that you're coming again tomorrow in jesus name we pray amen if you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite jesus into your life why don't you join me in saying this prayer lord jesus thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.